0: Past couple of weeks we've been um, kind of journeying through some phrases. And a couple of weeks ago I heard the phrase, see me. And I felt like the Lord wanted us to really focus on seeing Him. And so we looked at the scripture and said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So we talked about purifying ourselves as He is pure. The next week the phrase was our response to Him and it said, Search me. So we said, search me, O God, and know my heart, know all of my anxious thoughts, see if there be any offensive way in me. And so we put ourselves at the mercy of the Father, and we said, here I am, open and bare, laid naked before you, said, so that you see all of that I am. And we submitted ourselves in humility to the mighty hand of God. And scripture says, if we humble ourselves, it he'll lift us up. And so this morning, as I was um, putting some final touches to my notes, I've known all week long that the Lord has been leading me to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, to just kind of walk through that this morning. But as I was um, working through that I, heard that, I heard that phrase, hear me now. So two weeks ago, the Lord says, see me, and then this week he says, hear me. And so here's what I think I think this boils down to intimacy. Is that the Lord desires deep intimacy with you and I. And I believe that it's in that place of deep intimacy that many things are birthed. The things that we, we feel like we need. Like have you ever created a, an idealistic utopian version of yourself? I've talked about this before. You think... Man, if I could just and then fill in the blanks, then you feel like if I could just do these things, well, then I feel like I'll have a better relationship with the Lord. Or I feel like I have a better relationship with the people around me, my spouse, my kids. I feel like I, I would then like the job that I actually do if I'm not in this one, but if I'm here and we begin to create these if then statements, right? If I could this, well, then I would be this, or I would feel this, or I would know this, or I would have this, right? And so we create these conditions on our lives. And I think scripture tells us, I know scripture tells us, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you things we worry about, the things that we try and attain apart from the spirit, but we try and attain it in our flesh, we try and work for it. Scripture interestingly says that those who are in Christ have ceased from their works. Scripture also tells us to cease striving. However, there is a place and there is a Jason that exists once I've once I've dived into deep intimacy with the Father, there's a Jason that will be birthed out of that place. And there was a, there's a Jason that will be um, built up and lifted up and strengthened in that place. And so it's not that I try and attain these things. It's that my number one goal in life is to have deep intimacy with the Father. And it's in that place that everything else is birthed. And I think oftentimes we try and get the cart before the horse. We try and do things the other way. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but here's what I believe. Essentially what the Father has said to us over the past couple of weeks is this. Seek my face and hear my voice. This is what he wants for us. From the dawn of time, from Adam and Eve in the garden, to Abraham, to Moses, to David, all the prophets... John the Baptist, Jesus, we see progressive revelation of the father. And I don't believe it's that each one of those people had a full knowledge of the father. It's that he progressively revealed himself to man in different ways. If you look at the Old Testament, we find the character and the nature and the essence of the father given over hundreds of years of time. As the people who experienced the Father in an intimate way, seeing His face and hearing His voice, or seeking His face and hearing His voice, He was revealing His nature so that we began to get different names of God. Not that God has just one name, God has many, many names. And we give Him names based on His characteristics, based on who He is, right? And then Jesus comes and Jesus says, Pray like this Our Father. And heaven, Abba, Father. He reveals another aspect of God to mankind. And so God has continually revealed himself to man over the span of thousands of years. And let me tell you, he continues to do it. Your relationship with the Father that you have now today was not the exact same point-by-point relationship that Moses had, right? Even so, like we look at Moses... And I know Christine loves this this story. There's a Moses generation that is still looking to man to go to the top of Mount Sinai to experience the presence of the father and then come back down and tell me what it's like. And so as what I've been what I've been thinking about as I've been kind of working through this is is I what I want to what I want to do for you as a teacher of the word, as a leader, as a preacher, as a friend Pastor, whatever title you want to give me, during this time, it's not that Jason is the one that acquires all things pertaining to life and godliness in Christ and the Lord and Christian living. And then I stand up here and say, You unworthy, unknowing, ungodly, unholy individuals hear what the Lord saith, right? As though I'm above you and you are below me. If you notice, I don't want to preach from up here, right? I want to be down here. I want to be eye to eye. I'm your peer. I'm your friend. And in the same way that I'm journeying through this life, seeking the face of the Father and seeking to hear God, that which I gained in my journey, I desire to give to you as well. I want to share my experiences with you. I have to phrase sentences so poetically all the time. Gosh Jason, why are you so clever with words? <laughs> Honestly, I want to share my experiences. I want to share the things that I learn and read like I want to give those to you because the last thing that I want anybody doing is depending on me as their source. All right? I want you to depend on the Father as the source of all things. All right? Why do you think we named this place the source? It was very prophetic. (laughs) It was very telling of where the Lord would lead us and guide us as we continue to move together as a people seeking his face to hear him and know him. And so I want to help you as I do this, as I experience it, as I read it, invite you into my wrestle and my struggle and my learnings and my gaining as, as I move through this. This walk, right? We're all on this journey. And we need help, right? That's what this is about. Disciple community. It's a community. It's a group of people who are self... Who are identified by their profession of faith in Christ Jesus and their devotion to follow Him and to know Him, right? We are professed disciples of Jesus. We are learners of Him and His ways. So we submit ourselves to His Lordship, Right? And so we are a disciple community. We desire to exist in a community to help each other, right? To help each other on. And so essentially what I believe is happening here is through all of the stuff that we've been um, talking about over the past weeks. And what we're going to dive in, uh, into here this morning is this, is that he's calling us to shift. right? I love using that word. He's, call, he's calling us to shift our senses from physical to spiritual. Which means he's moving us deeper into the spiritual things of himself. Because God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth, not in flesh and deceit. Right? Or not in flesh and truth. <laughs> in spirit and in truth. He's given us this presence and this essence, this being, this living. Entity, He has put that in us to allow us to move forward in this life in a way that we've not moved forward before. And I feel like some of us who maybe feel like we've hit certain walls or maybe we don't understand the deep things of God or or we're in a rut or we're still leaning towards religious tendencies. I think it's because we're still putting faith and hope in our ability to understand intellectually and our ability to see physically and touch physically but he's causing us he's calling us to shift our senses from physical to spiritual he's wanting us to see with spiritual eyes hear with spiritual ears delve deeper into intimate love relationship with himself and I wrote this this statement this morning and I thought it was so beautiful (laughs) I know the Lord wrote this through me (laughs) Our, our eternal lover is wooing us on this side of time and space. On this side of time and space. Because he's eternal. He's eternal and he exists in the heavens. He's everywhere. He's everything. He is all in all. He's everything in everything. This is God the Father. Right? But here we are with mortal bodies. With somewhat of a limited understanding and somewhat of a limited knowledge, right? Still, still, um, still with more things to be revealed and more things to be understood. But here we are on this side of time, where time exists and time to our physical bodies is a constraint, but he exists outside of time, right? And so on this side of time and space, he's wooing us into an eternal. Existence with himself. And so this little bitty piece of our life. And so if this is like to even to even ascribe a timeline to eternity is we've already missed it. But imagine that this little point in time is the beginning of our lives. And then all the way to that wall is eternity. Right. So we're here this this long and then eternity is like that far except it's infinity that way and infinity that way to infinity and beyond. Right? <laughs> so that was my buzz later. Um, so in this little essence of life, and my wife put it this way one time, she said, we spend so much time trying to shape our identity and figure out who we are in our God, um, God grant us 80 years of life, right? Like, if we're going to live here for 80 years, we're so focused on this time, yet we don't focus on who we will be in eternity or what eternity will be like. And our eternal lover, he's wooing us now into that deep intimate relationship with him that's going to exist even after we die in the flesh. But let me tell you that death in our body is not our ticket into This relationship with him, he has given us a way now and that way is Christ. Amen. I don't, you, it's not like just imagine that you're at, at Jason Villanueva's funeral, right? And let's, and God forbid it's drab. I, t- I remember telling Kim one day, and I was actually thinking about this the other day, I said, gosh, I was like, I want my funeral day party. I want like some EDM. <laughs> when you walk in, and you're like, well, what is happening here? We had a rave. Now it's Jason's funeral. Like, you know what I mean? And so just imagine we're here and I'm in here in a casket and we're just like, well, brother Jason has gone to be with the Lord. And it's the truth being absent in the body is being present with Christ however he's given us access to deep intimate relationship and knowledge with him here and now and so i want to get as far into that knowledge and understanding and that relationship with the father now and not depend on when i will maybe one day right we should depend on death as our entrance into that place. Now, death to self is a different thing. But God has given us the opportunity on this, on this side of time and space. And so my question is, if the Lord is, is wooing us and he's saying, see me, hear me, seek my face, hear my voice. Jesus has come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Right? Jesus um, and and this was a very interesting, interesting thing that just happened to me. But I was standing in the back, and uh, and I'm singing and I'm watching and worshiping, and and you know how like if you've ever stared at an image too long and then you close your eyes, you kind of see like the image of that burned into your eyelids, kind of thing. And and uh, they have that little Jesus face. And you say, stare, at you, and you know, stare at this blob of of ink for 10 seconds and look at a wall and you're like, ooh, it's Jesus you ever seen that on Facebook? Right? But I stand back there and I'm looking this way and and I close my eyes and I see what is the imprint of these curtains and this frame here that covers our baptistry. And I see that imprint and I say, oh, Jesus, you stand at the door and you knock. And whatever, you can you can say whatever you want about, oh, well, yeah, of course you saw that image because it was burning to your, your mind, yes. But well, when I saw it, I used it as a trigger to say, yes, Jesus, come in. Be here, be in this place. Yes, Father, walk in and dine with us. And Jesus says this, behold, I stand at the door and I was just like, you know, I'm just going to call that a door. And I say, Jesus, come through that door. Yes, we open that door to you. In Revelation it says, uh, I sent the door and I knock. If anyone would open it, I'll come in and I'll dine with him, or I will sup with him. And it's not like there's a physical address that we can drive to. And there's the door where Jesus knocks, and we open that door, and then here comes in Jesus, and there's a table that we sit. There's no physical place that exists like that. Where does that exist? It's it's in the heavens. It's a spiritual thing. He invites us into a spirit if by nature and by no other way, in no other way, shape or form, invites us into a deep spiritual relationship with him by faith. And so we have faith in this. And so if he says, come to me, instead at the door, knock, let me in, see my face, hear my voice, know me. My question is, will we answer? Will we answer? Will we say yes, Lord? Is our life, is our life... About Christ, or is it not about Christ? Is our life about becoming who He desires that we become in Him, or is it not about becoming who He desires that we be? And I tell you that oftentimes I'm like this. Better one day in your courts, except I spent three days binging on Netflix. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like this constantly, but the beautiful thing is that he calls us back into, right? He loves us. We're disciplined by our father. And he continually woos us back. He woo, woos us. You, you guys know that word, woo, right? It's like if you are a male and you've ever had a thing for a female, you went into woo phase where you began to try and, you know, Hey. hey. <laughs> How's it going? Man? Right? But it's not like the fathers in heaven. Man. Right? But he, he loves us so much in such a way that he, he beckons us. He calls us. He woos us into that deep relationship with him. Amen. That was my intro. And so I want to invite you to kind of journey through 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this all falls in line with what I was saying. The Lord's calling us to shift from relying on on only worldly knowledge, intellectual reason and living in a physical, tangible realm and world to allowing him to shift all of that into the spiritual. And I believe we'll do this our entire life. We'll continually um, give different parts of who we are He will continually sanctify Different parts of who we are Those things that we, Those things that are not set aside Solely for him He will continue To ask us to set aside And again as we talked about The second week about seeking the kingdom And moving into the kingdom It's a much better place To be in the kingdom And so I'm going to read through I've got First Corinthians chapter 2 and I'm going to kind of work through this. Um, it's an entire chapter, 16 verses. I don't plan on camping on every verse. But there's a progression here that Paul uses um, that I think is very beneficial in helping us understand where we're going in, um, with all of this. And so I'm going to read some of this to you, and then we'll have some conversation. And so it says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters. So this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he visited uh, Corinth. He visited the Corinthians, and Paul was an evangelist. He was an apostle. Um, I would say he was just about everything, right? He loved people, he was a shepherd, he was a teacher. He did all these things. Um, but initially, he left to evangelize these nations, these countries, these people. And to evangelize meant to share the good news of the kingdom, right? The good news of Jesus Christ and the kingdom come. And he would visit these people, and uh, he would share the gospel. So he says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, which was Christ crucified, right? Jesus coming as the flesh, living a perfect life, being crucified for us, um, for the forgiveness of sins, and then being raised from the grave, and then ascending back into the heavens and being seated at the right hand of the Father, this mystery of the gospel. He said, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. He said, I decide to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. And so Paul says right out of the gate, When I began to preach Christ to you, I didn't rely on myself. I didn't rely on intellect. I didn't rely on wise words of men. I didn't even use sentences that sounded smart in any way, shape, or form. I spoke very clearly. I spoke very plainly. And I said things in such a way that you would understand and not think that I was eloquent or not venerate me or raise me to a level that I didn't want to be at, right? He said, I didn't come like this Thus saith the Lord: <laughs> eloquent, presentable, suit and tie, and home, you know, hair slicked back, and Sunday best. Like it's not it's nothing wrong with that, but this is not the method that Paul utilized to preach the gospel. Right, he said, "I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to sound wise among you. I wanted you to know Christ and Him crucified." And when I spoke that message. When I evangelized, when I spoke of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit partnered with me in that endeavor and the power of God showed up and miraculously changed people's lives. That was evangelistic preaching. And let me tell you, like, and, and, and Christine has a story I'd love for her to share at some point in time. But she has a story of where she evangelized to a woman who was in need. And the only thing that she did was point him to the father, point her to the father. Jesus loves you. I mean, simple things that we would say to people, not, well, you know, in the beginning. Right? And it's good to educate people. But the power of God plus the simple message of Christ and him crucified is enough to change a person's heart. And Paul didn't try and employ any kind of other method to try and convince people of Jesus. There's no convincing people of Jesus Right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a simple word, it's a simple act of obedience. It's 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 letting people know that there's there's a God who loves you, that there's a guy, <laughs> this man Jesus, who's filled with mercy and grace, and love, and, and he's so gentle. And he loves you where you are. That's a simple message. And so I thought that was really interesting because I used to read this and I used to quote it all the time. And I would say, you know, preachers, we don't need to be this and we don't need to be that. We just we just need to, you know, rely on the Spirit's power and do this, that and the other. And and, and that's all true. But Paul actually talks about what he does, not with new converts or people who don't know the Lord, but then what he how he speaks to the mature and how we're to move forward. After initial evangelism and conversion, because I tell you, there's, man, sadly, there's a lot of people who say yes to Jesus. You know, they get their hands saw. I saw that hand. I see that hand. Get their hands saw. And, thank you, Brian, I love you. Um, And then, it's like, they enter in this relationship with Jesus, and and then it's just milk, 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 milk. Right? And then there's no... There's no maturity, there's no maturation process that happens after that. But here's here's what I want to give to you, and I believe, because God has led me to talk on this, that you are mature enough in Christ to move into a deeper understanding that Paul talks about. So he says, we, verse 6, we do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature." So he's saying, new believers, not a wisdom of man, right? But then he says, but sure, there's a wisdom. And it's not a wisdom of this age. Not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages of our glory. Right? Outside of time and space where God exists, there's a wisdom to be had and he gives it to man in a supernatural, spiritual way. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom and mystery, a wisdom God predestined for the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And specifically, this knowledge he speaks of is the knowledge of Christ, again. And had the Pharisees and the rulers, the the priests, the Sadducees, had they known the wisdom of, Of who Christ was and where he would come from and where he would go and how the Messiah would come and how the Messiah would would die and establish an invisible spiritual kingdom on the earth. Had they known those things, they wouldn't have yelled crucify him. Right. And so let me just camp on this word real quick, because, you know, I'm a word nerd. This word mystery or mysterion in the Greek is not. Okay, I'm going to just read this to you. It's interesting. Is mystery is not something unknowable. It's not unattainable. It's not unknowable. Rather, it is what can only be known through revelation because God reveals it. And so there's a difference between utilizing intellect. There's even a difference between utilizing strategy and studying the word. Strategy and study and concordances and dictionaries and definitions and Greek and Hebrew and sentence structure and, and verb tense, right? All of those things are good in the structure of a sentence to understand what's happening. But without the Spirit of God, that intellect does nothing to reveal mystery and give greater revelation of Christ because, again, God has progressively revealed himself to people over the ages I don't believe he's done revealing himself because the spirit is still here at work doing the revealing, amen? And so the mystery of God is not something unknowable except he reveals it to us. And so there's a difference between utilizing intellect, logic, and reason to come to a conclusion or acquire some bit of information apart from the spirit of God and by the spirit of God receiving revelation or having a mystery revealed. And so... Let me continue in verse 9, it says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, what God has prepared these things for those who love him, or what God has prepared for those who love him. And so when I used to read that, I'm like, we have no idea. (laughs) Like, Scripture says we can't know these things. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard. We've not even conceived what God has in store for us, for those who love Him. Like, there's so much on the way, and and those are all true statements. But I failed to read the next verse. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Like, I used to read this and think those were unknowable, and that someday, right, when we die and go to heaven, we'll acquire this. Oh, it's going to be so great. Except, like, I didn't read the Scripture. I read it, but I didn't read it, right? I said, I see you, Scripture, but I didn't say, I see you, Scripture. I see you. And then it wept openly (laughs) because it felt heard and understood. Sorry. (laughs) And so I didn't read it, and then I read on. It says, now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And I messaged Rachel this morning because I didn't think she was here. And she was just right past the cutoff of this wall. And when I thought of her, I I was working through this. And Rachel loves the phrase for deep calls to deep. And I remember she used to say that and I didn't even really know what she was talking about. I really didn't. But here she is, Rachel, in this place with her walk with God where she understands that there's something in her and it's deep within her gut, in her existence, right? That inner man, there's that spirit of God that is longing to know the deep things of God. That 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 there's that struggle and that wrestle within her and she chases after it with all that she has and all that she is and she doesn't care what people think. Think, even though she cares what people think. She cares what they think, but she doesn't care what they think or else she wouldn't be the person that she is today. And there's something in her, deep within her, that is that is crying out to the deep things of God saying, I want to know you more. I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. God, I will do whatever it takes to know you more. I'll look like an idiot. I'll travel the city and go to 50 churches and have pastors tell me that I need to have one pastor submit myself to one body. All right. Rachel, I didn't mean to pick on I'm not picking on you. I want you to be built up, my sister. I want you blessed. Man, I, I pray for you. I pray for you. A, a An increased circumference of a heavenly portal. Pouring down knowledge and revelation of the Father into who you are. I see what is a small tube expanding, increasing potential to know the Lord and to make Him known. There's something in us. We long to know the Father. We long to know that which is unseen. For we are people of faith, for without faith it's impossible to please God. We must believe that He created the heavens and the earth and that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Right? We live by faith, faith, not by sight, for the things that are unseen are eternal, the things that are seen are temporary. For everything here is being washed away, And it's not going to stand in the end. But that which is eternal, which God is inviting us into, remember what I said in the beginning, our eternal lover is wooing us into eternal relationship. Here we taste and see that the Lord is good. And here we feast for eternity at his table, by his side. We rule and we govern with him as his saints, his priests, and his chosen people. And so I would argue that revelation flows from intimacy. We can't desire revelation. We can't desire to know deeper things of God just for the purpose of knowing deeper things of God. So that we might find ourselves in this place of wisdom and achievement. So that we gain acknowledgement, right? The Pharisees, they stood on the corner and they prayed. And when they gave, they did it in front of everybody so that they could all see. And scripture says they have received their reward in full. If we live for the affirmation of man, well, then you get that affirmation and you've received your reward in full. There is nothing after that. Right. And so we don't live to just acquire knowledge and status and and deep understanding of scripture so that we can sound like we know what we're talking about even though we are really just regurgitating maybe something we heard from somebody else in some other sermon, some other preacher who spent the time on his face, seeking the face of God gaining wisdom and understanding and knowledge of revelation and take it as our own and we steal it and we use it for affirmation ugh right? this is not what we gaining we can't gain revelation apart from intimacy We seek the face of the Lord. We seek the heart of the Lord. And it's in that intimate place that we begin to know the deep things of God. The reason I know my wife so well is because I've spent time with her face to face, listening to her, asking her questions, talking to her, spending time. And I don't I will spend a lifetime getting to know Kimberly. All right. We'll be married four years in June and I. I, I don't even know her. <laughs> I mean, I know some of her, but there's so much more to Kim than what I've experienced in four years. She's not, she's not done as a person, right? Like, there's more to know, right? And this is the way it is with the Father. We seek that intimate place. We seek His face. We seek to hear Him. And it's in that place where the mysteries of God begin to be revealed to us because the spirit of God lives in us and deep calls to deep and that spirit in us cries out to the father and says I want to know you more I want to know you more right so pull me a little closer take me a little deeper such a good song and so intimacy precedes revelation we can't get the car from the horse So let's move on. Verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. So we don't have a spirit of the world, but we have the spirit that... Father has put in us. I hope that at some point in your life you have had an experience with the Father where through prayer or raising of a hand or reading of a scripture or listening to a testimony or whatever it is, that something in you got stirred up and changed so that you knew from that day forward there was something very different about you and that your life was never going to be the same. And that's what used to scare me the most about Christianity is because I knew that from that point on, Jason would not be the same, Jason, and that I could never be the same. Right? And when I tasted of that, that when I heard that voice, when I experienced the, the Spirit reaching down and pulling me into this supernatural, eternal relationship with him, starting here on earth on this time, and this this side of time and space, right? I knew there was something that was going to be very, very different about me as I continued moving in my relationship with him. And I knew I'd never be the same, and he used to scare the crap out of me. And I used to sit in churches, and people around me would worship, and I would cry, and I would cry, and I would cry. (laughs) Because I wasn't ready. Because I knew that I was gonna have to give everything. And I was so scared, and I was so afraid. Because there was something in me that was crying out and longing for something more. Amen. And so scripture tells us that we can know the thoughts of God. Can you go back just one time? One, one slide, verse 11. It says, for who knows a person's thought except his spirit within him. In the same way, keep going. No one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. And so what it's saying is, we can't understand the thoughts of somebody unless we have their spirit, right? Have you ever felt like maybe with a loved one or a kid or whoever it is, that you could just like read their thoughts, right? And then in most relationships, the rub is that you can't read each other's minds, and so then it's a very difficult situation, <laughs> and you wish you could read each other's minds. The scripture tells us that we have that spirit of God in us so that we can understand the things of God. We can have let me let me paint this picture for you a physical fallible human being with death as my sentence apart from Christ can come to know Christ Receive the gift of salvation. Receive the gift of the the spirit in me. So that I'm now connected supernaturally with an an infinite eternal being who loves me. Who knows all things. Who is all things. Who created all things. And it tells me that because his spirit is in me I can know his thoughts. Have you ever... I mean... This must have been blasphemy to the Jews... It must have been. Because here come these Christians, <laughs> these little Jesuses. It was a derogatory term. Little Jesuses. Here come these little Jesuses thinking they can know the, the thoughts of God. That's blasphemy off of their heads. All right? I can know the thoughts of God? The eternal creator? Like what? This is what scripture tells us. And do you know why? We can know the thoughts of God because the Spirit's in us, but because He wants us to know His thoughts. Right? I, there's <laughs> With my wife, so my wife isn't like, she's not a feeler. Like hugs and those kinds of things, like that's kind of last on our list. And there was one time where I was hugging her and I was holding her and, you know, she squirms a little bit sometimes. <laughs> and I, was, I had my arms around her and I said, I wish you could just feel... The love that I'm like exuding from my existence in this hub right now. Like I wish that I could just like poof, mm-hmm. send some shockwave of love through your body. Hail. Right? Through my hub. Like I want you to know how much I love you in this moment. The only thing I know how to do is just hold you here for a second. And let me tell you that the father desires that we know his heart. Because when we know his heart, we find a place of beautiful intimacy and identity that is like so great that anything else in this world fails in comparison. He wants us to know His love. And so He's given us His Spirit. So that as that Spirit calls into and cries out to the depths of the intimacy and the knowledge of the Father, it's through that communion, that relationship. Our spirit communes with his spirit and confirms that we're children of God. And so when we get into that place, we can allow the Lord to speak over us, to give us knowledge and understanding and wisdom, and show us the mysteries of the eternal. That's pretty hardcore stuff. That's not... Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and He loves you. And if you give your life to Him, you won't die and go to hell. It's a very different message, very different. And there's a time and a place for that. But there's a time and a place for this. And I believe, and again, I'm so grateful. As I as we move forward in these times, and I, I'll probably beat this dead horse, but like my heart for you is the heart of the Father for you. And that we create this environment to where you can come face to face with that heart. And hear and know and experience and understand. So that as you leave this place, you don't say, man, that was a really good sermon that Jason preached. You say, I want more of God. (laughs) I want more Christ. I want more intimacy. You leave this place saying, I've got to go find the secret place. Because I want to see the face of God. And I want to hear his voice. And I want to know him. That's the purpose of this. To stir up in you desire for that. And so, verse 13, we also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit. So the Spirit is a teacher explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. And so teachers of the knowledge, or teachers of the Word, teachers, preachers of the Bible... People who follow Christ and want others to know, they themselves should, one, be being taught by the Spirit so that they can go then teach spiritual things to spiritual people, right? And we can all have this experience. I'm not the only one, although I have a platform and a microphone and a a time slot to be able to share my experiences and my knowledge and my revelation and my heart. But let me tell you that everybody out here has... A story. Everybody out here has an experience, and we need to be spending time together in fellowship. Right? Yeah, we might be eating a bowl of chili, but we need to be speaking into each other and letting each other know the testimony of the revelation of the Father to us in our time. It's a very powerful place. But the person without the spirit does not receive what comes from God's spirit because it is foolishness to him. He's not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. So Paul's saying, there's some people who don't have the spirit of God. They're not gonna get this stuff, right? The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. That's really interesting. Another scripture says judged. The spiritual person, however, can judge everything. And yet he himself cannot be judged by anyone. And so what this means, and I know scripture says we should judge those who are in the church, not outside the church. We should judge, we shouldn't judge, whatever. He's saying the person with the spirit, the spirit of God who is the rightful, right and just judge, can judge accordingly. And can judge with righteousness. His spirit is in us. And so we can evaluate ourselves. Right? On that level, on a spiritual level, we're the only ones that can evaluate ourselves with what's going on in here. Verse 16: For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? And this is what blows my mind. (sighs) But we have the mind of Christ. So we have the Spirit of the Father, Spirit of God in us, allowing us to have revelation, not acquired knowledge out of the works of the flesh work to understand these things but the spirit speaking to us in such a way that we have some sort of truth, some sort of life changing something that happens in us that continues to throw us and motivate us and drive us towards deeper intimacy and knowledge and understanding of who the Father is right, and it says we us know the Lord's mind when we instruct him. We have a mind of Christ, so not only do we have a spirit but we have his mind and so when I looked up this word, because I'm the word man, right? The reasoning faculty is what that is. Our mind allows, it's the faculty, it's the thing we employ to reason and use logic and A plus B equals C. This, 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 right? That's a very Greek, intellectual, platonic way of thinking, linearly. What the spirit of God does is it takes us off of that, takes us out of the place of time and space, and it moves us into the eternal and the spiritual and the mystery, and it allows us to think there and not think here. So it also says this, the mind for the believer is the organ of receiving God's thoughts through faith, again by faith, right? Right? And so we have the spirit of God in us calling out and we have the mind of Christ allowing us to know his thoughts and then to apply, right, that logic and reason to those thoughts and come to a place where we know things and understand things because God has revealed them to us, not because we thought so hard about it we finally got it. I don't know if you've ever had a revelation experience. And I would say as we talk about progressive revelation, I would say that although Paul, the Apostle Paul, had great revelation of Christ, he had physical manifestation of the Lord Jesus in front of him and was blinded, right, and didn't eat or drink for three days. had his world rocked. The Lord intervened and and shifted the trajectory of Paul's life. And Paul devoted every part of his being, right, even his body. He sacrificed his body being whipped. beaten and thrown in prison and going hungry and being shipwrecked and all these things to know the Father. But then we we move further in the Bible when we get to Revelation, which is what we really see is is Christ and the heavens and the Father and mystery revealed. We We see an increased revelation of that which was, that which is, and that which is to come and John receives this revelation. And if the Spirit of God that lived in John who received revelation on the island of Patmos (laughs) can receive such great revelation of Christ and the Father and the heavens and His plan and His love, His intimacy, His grace, and His mercy, by that same Spirit, God can reveal those things to us But it's not that I get in a corner and say, Lord, I want to have a John revelation. It's that I say, I want to know you more. I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. And what the Lord sends down that heavenly portal into the depths of your spirit is exactly what you need to know in that moment. And so do we want it? Or don't we want it? Do we want intimacy with the Father? Do we want to know Him? Like I I think of this, I'm like, man, there's mystery to be made known. The thoughts of God, the mind of Christ. That's amazing. I want that. But I have to recommit myself to that place of intimacy. Jesus would say to the churches. Or one of the churches in Revelation, as John received this revelation, he would say, you've forsaken your first love. All right? And I've heard people call this place where we go back to our first love as activating or walking through that love gate. Have you done this with people? Would you like to lead us in that? It starts in intimacy. And so here are two things. One, approaching the Father and saying, yes, I want to know you. And two, maybe you're in a place where you've said, I've never, like I know the Spirit of God lives in me, I'm different, I love Him, I want to know Him more, but I'm just asking for an increased experience and it's not all about experience, right? We're not asking for experience only. But if Scripture's telling us that the Spirit of God is in us and we've not, We've not acknowledged that or asked or, or, or said, yes, I agree with that. I want more of that. Or yes, it's spiritual. I want to walk into that, whatever it looks like. Jesus, I just want to know you more, but I've been held back for whatever reason. Maybe you've held back the spirit in you. Maybe you've not believed that the spirit is alive and active. Maybe it's like too charismatic or too crazy or too weird or it doesn't sound biblical or whatever it is. There's fear for whatever reason. Like, can we come against that? Because we need an increase. Right? We need an increase. I want more of that. I want more of God. And that's what it boils down to. The deep calls to deep. There's something in us. We might not always feel it, but there are those moments where we long and it hurts. And we know that there's something and we just say, Can I just get there? I believe that is our invitation in that moment to deeper intimacy with the Father, to hear Him, to see Him, to know Him. Amen. Christine, will you lead us in a time? Just, just lead us in a time. You guys, good? Yes. Do you want the Lord? Yes. Amen. Well,
1: let's just focus our minds. On our- Jesus, right now, we just open up our first love gate, which is in the heart of our hearts. We open that door to you, and we ask that you just take our hand. We want to be with you, and we want to know you more. And right now, I just I see that, that living water just flowing up around our feet. By faith, just take Jesus' hand and have him lead you wherever he wants to. Walk. We open our heart to your mysteries, Jesus. And we know you're the only one who can lead us to the Father. So take us where you want us. Right now I just lay myself as a living sacrifice set apart for you. Us go where you want us to go. And let us be completely consumed by that holy fire. We want to be an acceptable offering to our Father. Burn up everything within us that's not holy, it's not set apart for you. just in the spirit, hold your hand out. Hold your hand out to Jesus. He has something for you. Ask him to open your, your spiritual eyes, your spiritual ears to know what he's giving to you. And if you're confused about what it might be, just ask him. So what is this? What is it for? in our minds so that you will reveal yourself to us. We open ourselves up to revelation. I get the sense that the Father just wants to be more intimate with us. So we step into your presence, Father, we want to be with you. (coughs) We open ourselves up to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus gave me this big pearl and it was really kind of a giant pearl and he was showing me stuff inside of it but I just feel it to lay it before the Father as an offering and so you may have received something that you feel like you can offer back to God if he's ever given you anything in the spirit there are And so we can always lay our treasures back at his feet as well.